It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right. Happy Thursday, everyone. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here with you. Uh... A little bit different format today because we got a guest at the top of the show. Uh, former Gamecock offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, coach of the New York Guardians, uh, championship level coach at Delaware Valley College. Hell of a ball coach, good guy, GA Mangus. Welcome into the show. Good to be here, guys. Morning. Um, you know, right off the top, you know, you look around the SEC, GA, and, uh, you know, b- back, I guess, five five or so years ago, I sat there and thought, well, you know, what? which one of these Big 12 offenses could you bring into this league and uh, make it work? And and, and I always kind of looked around and thought Art Briles' system at, at Baylor was good. And now you look in the league, and there's three schools kind of running variations of it, including his son, Kendall, this weekend for Arkansas. It's all kind of the same thing, but they're different. Hypo runs a little bit differently at Tennessee. Uh, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and, and the Levy influence there. Uh, and then Arkansas. Um, you know, just from your standpoint, you know, what are your thoughts about uh, that offensive system and, and what it brings to the table and, uh, you know, how these guys have been able to be successful with it in, in this league so far? Well, I think it's it, it's being a tempo guy you know, myself and, and, and kind of where my background comes from. Uh, I, I think it's all about the tempo and, and what they do. And, you know, Kendall, he, he, they, they seem to run the ball a little bit more um, um, versus, you know, maybe the quarterback run or just the, the, the tailback runs. It's all a variation, like you said. And, and, and I think that's everybody. But the tempo is, is, is what creates the problems. And, um, you know, no matter where the, those tempo guys have been, it's created problems for anybody they play. And, and, um, and just because it's in the SEC, you know, we, we went to some tempo things back in with, with, with Connor and, and, you know, what uh, going on 15 years ago now, you know, almost, um, and, 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 and enter, you know, no huddle and some things. And, and again, I, I go back all the time and people ask me about what makes coach Spurrier great. And he, he was always willing to change and was always looking to things that, that could help improve uh, anything, and 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 even an offense that was as successful as his for so long, um, you know, in the Florida days, he he knew that there had to be some something change and something different uh, to 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 be successful. And and when we 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 had a lot of tempo, we didn't go quite as fast as those guys do, where they do all the time. Um, but um, you know, that was something that was new here that, that we didn't had a lot of success with that ourselves. So. Um, I think all those guys know what they're doing. Um, they know how to call it fast. Um, they, 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 it's just a matter of their philosophy of whether they like to throw it, run it with the tailback, run it with the quarterback. And, and, and Arkansas, you know, has that, you know, KJ seems to be a, you know, the, the total dual threat guy. And, and uh, when those guys can do it and you do it fast, boy, it's a, it's a headache for defensive coordinators. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it looks that way definitely with Arkansas. Tennessee, I think, turned their whole deal around last year just by going fast. And they go, I mean, that pit game this weekend, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I think there's going to be maybe 80 points scored up there at uh, 
Heinz Field. I don't I don't call it by the new name. I'm never going to. I'm just going to call it Heinz Field. Uh, you know, okay, so Coach Murray, you mentioned that about him being kind of innovative and willing to change. You were around down there in uh, in '96, right? Uh, when the Gators went uh, to the Sugar Bowl, uh, got in after losing to Florida State the first time. Uh, doesn't the story go that uh, you know he was willing to to get in the shotgun all of a sudden, uh, and and that was kind of the the difference in that ball game when uh, Florida won the national title. It was, you know, they had a great defense and, and, and the game a month before, you know, a lot of people, of course, young people wouldn't even probably remember it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that was the back-to-back games in a month, you know, and played it, played them again for the national title and in new Orleans and, and, um, the way some things worked out back before the playoffs and all that thing, some things had to happen. And, and, uh, you know, Jake, the snake plumber, Young people have no idea who that is, but they pulled him upset. <laughs> yeah, pulled him upset, and, and the next thing you knew, we were playing for the national title um, against Florida State. And the, the, the previous game, we, we had we had gotten beaten a close one, but um, a, a lot of you know their pressure was great. They had great defensive pressure and, and great defensive teams back in those days. I mean, mm-hmm. every year they were something, and 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 that just you know Danny was taking a lot of shots and and, and a lot of hits, and, and a month later. Um, you know, put in that shotgun and and um, and and didn't change the offense. Just kind of took it out of the gun, and that was kind of the the, the first time really that coach had had done. It. And people made a big deal about it because it got in the shotgun. And you know, 1996. Now you know it's amazing. Now 25 years later, <laughs> you know, now if you go under center, it's like, what are you doing? What is that? <laughs> you can't, you can't be taking taking a knee out of the shotgun, which is which is like a pet peeve of mine. I, I, I'm not going to lose four yards on total offense because I take a take a, a knee, knee out of the shotgun. Yeah, it's, it's but um, but yeah, it happened and it, and it was uh, it was it was a good thing and it and it, and it led to uh, you know obviously a really good night for the Gators. I think definitely. Yeah, it was about fifty-two to twenty uh, down there in New Orleans, and uh, that was a uh, that was a good moment. I mean, I, I kind of pulled for Florida the previous year when they played Nebraska, and I was shocked at that game. I mean, I I think everybody was, but. Uh, uh, Spurrier always said that was probably one of the best teams he ever coached against that Nebraska game. And uh, yeah, I would say uh, the same. I mean, that's that's one of the great football teams in college history. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt about that. They they were they were tremendous. Exactly. Um, okay, so you were able to coach at South Carolina, uh, Stephen Garcia. You, you got there and you had Stephen '09. Uh, then it went to Connor and then Dylan Thompson. All those guys are decorated, right? Do you think that maybe Steven Garcia, because I, I looked it up, I think sometimes the fans, uh, and this is nothing against Connor or Dylan. I mean, those guys' names are on the stadium, right? Uh, Steven went 4-1 and one against Clemson in Georgia, and that one game he lost, I remember you guys were driving, firing at the end zone at the end uh, down in Athens. Uh, he won the East. I'll never forget that night in, in Gainesville when uh, 36-14. Uh, you think maybe sometimes Steven is, is a little underrated considering – you know, right after him, there was Connor, who rarely lost, rarely threw an interception and all that. And then Dylan set the single-season record uh, in 2014. Do you think maybe sometimes, like, Steven uh, isn't as uh, maybe celebrated as uh, he should be? I mean, I you know, just based on uh, – forget the off-the-field stuff. Just based on wins and accomplishments and, you know, what he did. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's anything. And you look at, at life when there's so many – in the world we live in where distractions tend to kind of take away sometimes from the, from the truth. Right. And, yeah. 
the truth is, is that, that Steven Garcia was a, was a really good player for us um, that, that got better, um, won some big games. He was tough. Um, you know, he, he was, you know, as good as and great as Connor was as a, as a dual threat player. You know, Steven had some dual threat uh, as well. He just ran differently. Um, you know, he was packing, hell, he was packing 235 back in those days, you know, <laughs> and uh, ask, uh, ask uh, safety there at Florida. When Will Hill, up. Will Hill will never ask, forget yeah, Stevie Garcia. Will Hill when he thinks that 235 packing on the goal line. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I think that, that that's, that's kind of what happens. And then, and then time, you know, you, yeah. you know, you, you know, there's, there's been, and, and, and we had such great years and finished in the top 10, three straight years. And, um, and, and Connor was a, was a, was a, such a great leader and a great player and, and, a, and a great, uh, you know, and, and, and there, but there wasn't a lot of distractions, right? Everything was football and, and, and that, and, and all anybody had to talk about with Connor was football. And, right. and so, um, you know, I think that's part of it, but, but, um, you know, Stevens, Stevens very comfortable with where he's at. I stay in touch with all those guys, play golf with Connor and, 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 um, have, have stayed in touch with, with the other guys, uh, quite a bit. And, and, and he's very comfortable with where he's at, you know, where he he's at and what people think because he doesn't care. Um, you know, he, he, he really doesn't. And, uh, but he was, a he was a really good player, and I think when people go back and watch some of those games, I mean, forget Alabama. Alabama was great, but that night in the swamp, he played really, really well and had some critical third-down conversion plays and uh, with people running at him. And, and um, I, I, uh, I, I think he deserves every everything he gets. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking like that. And so uh, toward the end, you, you got Perry Orth, uh, and uh, you guys, uh, when Sean took over for the six games mm-hmm. there at the end, uh, I always tell everybody, like, that team appeared to be dead in the water uh, before uh, Coach Spurrier, you know, retired or resigned or whatever. But you guys somehow, I mean, you know, and I know the Citadel aside, right? Uh, so, I mean, you guys played Texas A&M off their feet, Tennessee off their feet. Uh, that Clemson game, bad call. And there's my fiance, Sony. Hello, GA. He's he's a big fan. She's a big fan. Uh, and um, you know, and 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 really, I thought despite the record, that team got better as the season went on with Perry uh, at quarterback and the offense. And what was kind of the the secret there? Because it it wasn't an offense that was scoring and, and going up and down the field. But by the end, there, you guys went up and down the field on the national runners up and. Uh, Debo Samuel had a breakout game. Uh, Jarrell Adams turned into a, a, a terrific target. You know, what was kind of the secret there? Because uh, there's lots to talk about Sean Elliott, obviously, because he coached a game in, in Columbia Saturday, and he's coaching a game in Atlanta this weekend. A lot of Gamecocks wanted to win. Um, but what was that secret uh, for, for that team? Because that team really, I think, uh, with the way they played, set the kind of laid the groundwork for Will coming in and, and, and eking out that uh, bowl season in 2016. Yeah, we had a lot. It's I I I'd say, tell people this but when they a, a lot about those those kids. We, we the the players are get all the credit for that. They were, you know that 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 was a tough situation. And and anybody that's ever coached in those situations, uh, when you when you have a a, a firing or what you know, and not in this case, but in you know just any kind of situation happen where you kind of have you're a, you're a 
a lame duck situation. It happens every year in, in, in pro football, college football, and, and, and all the, all the way down. And it's a tough deal. It's a tough deal for coaches. It's a tough deal for players. Um, I, I think everybody handled it very well, very professionally. Um, and, but most importantly, the players, you know, had, they, they, they kept grinding, they kept playing. And I, and I think that had been from the precedent had been set over the past few years where we had, had won. And that was the standard. Um, of, of winning and competing and, and, and having a chance to compete for the SEC championship, which, you know, for a, for a four year run, we were, we were right there, um, you know, a little break here or there, or, um, you know, a, a bad break that went against us here or there or whatever, who knows what, 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 what those could have turned into. But um, I think those kids have been there, done that Perry, um, you know, Perry took it upon himself. Perry was a, you know, kind of a quiet, confident kid. Um, underneath, underneath that, that look, he was a, he was a, he was a competitor and, 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 uh, you know, those, uh, the A&M game was, I mean, hell, he ran, hell, he ran for almost a hundred yards, scored and ran a touchdown uh. down there. You know, we implemented some, some kind of some stuff, a lot of tempo, uh, those, those over those last six games. And, and, um, he played Hayden Hurst came out, you know, no, all of a sudden he got, he got a couple of big, long drag routes that, that went big and he got his coming out party and, and, um, Terrell, you know, we had really good tight ends. I mean, those everybody, contrary to some of the, the, the six months after that, when the cupboard was bare, um, I, I'd hear to differ, uh, on that. I don't think it was quite as bare as, as, as some people think, but, um, you know, we, we played, we played, they gave everything they could give and, and, um, you know, some of those teams were just, you know, we just came up a little short in those. And obviously the Citadel game, that after that Florida game, it was, I think the writing was on the wall and everything, what was going on, that was real tough on the kids. But mm-hmm. then to turn around and battle back and, and um, you know, would have loved to have had about three and a half or four more minutes uh, on, on, on that last one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, there was some uh, tight you-know-whats uh, running around that ballpark. Uh, that we're, we're not wearing garnet and black. Anymore. Yeah, that was, a, that was a heck of a game. I remember I um, I actually left early and went to the, the pizza man on Rosewood <laughs> and uh, went with my ex-girlfriend. She was a Clemson fan, so I had to get out of there, right? I was like, I got it. And we had terrible seats. We were like right under, oh, back in the near the corner of the end zone under a, yeah, it was it was bad. Uh, and then that Perry run at Texas A&M, I always tell the story. I was in a bar in Greenville watching it. It was a noon kickoff, so uh, and I sat there, I answered it. Perry goes around the edge, right? Uh, I answered a text. I took a sip of beer. I looked up at the TV, he's still running. I looked around, took another sip of beer. Uh, I looked at my phone again and he's still running. <laughs> it was like time-wise, it was the longest 70 yard run in the history of college football, uh, only to be outdone by Damani Staley's pick six at East Carolina last year. But, uh, that was, uh, that was something else. I'll never forget that play as long as I live. Uh, so, so you know, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, uh, you play quarterback, uh, you coach quarterbacks, you know quarterbacks. Uh, your assessment of him and kind of uh, his first uh, outing for the Gamecocks the other night, uh, you know, certainly the arm talent's there. And, uh, you know, what, what, what do you think the keys are for him to kind of keep progressing and taking it to the next level? Well, you know, it's it's a new system. It's a new new deal. I mean, I think everybody's well aware of, of Spencer and his his talent level. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, he was in the the, the short 
short list of Heisman candidates, you know, at, at one time in his career there at Oklahoma. So, um, you know, he's got talent, um, was a, you know, highly recruited, highly decorated high school player coming out and, and had some great moments at, at, at Oklahoma. And, and, you know, coming in here, that, that gets his feet wet. It's a new league. Um, it's going to be different. Uh, you know, any, anybody that has coming, uh, I think, with, you know, with this uh, portal, um, you know, these guys that are coming in from these other leagues, I, I, I think they get eyes wide open pretty quickly, um, realizing um, the, 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 you know, the, the speed difference. And, and most importantly, as an offensive player, that, um, that, you know, those guys up front are just a little bit different. In, in, in the SEC, and that's just the way that's just the way it is. And, and anybody that denies that across the country, I know they get sick and tired of SEC bias and all that stuff from from us that live down here, us country folk in the South. But it, <laughs> it, it, a, um, it, it, it's a fact. It, it's a fact. And someone, uh, you know, myself who's coached all over the the country and 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 seen that and and, and have been in the league, out of the league as a player, a coach. Um, it, it's that, that's the difference. That's where it really differs. And that's an adjustment period for anybody that's coming in from outside. And, and I think he's more than capable of, of doing that. And, and this week will be the first SEC test. Um, you know, last week, I just think was a, was a whole brand new deal. You know, that those first games, you can never, you just never know what's going to happen with those after a whole year. And, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't put too much on that. I think this will be, this will be the, the litmus test this weekend. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, your first year in 09, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but your first year in 09, you guys scored seven points at NC State. Yeah. And the next weekend lit Georgia like a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's 37, 37 yeah. points, and you fired, you know, like I said, fired at the end zone at the end to win. Yeah, um, and that was – that was Stephen was – I don't want to say switching systems because our, our passing game was, was predominant, but we had gone no huddle. There was just a lot of new newness to it, and, and – uh, you know they had a pretty good quarterback themselves uh, yeah. up there at, at, in Raleigh at that time, and and um, you know that was one of those first games you just wanted to get through it, you know, and, and and we got through it, and you come out victorious. And I think when that happens, something like that happens. I think that's when you hear the old cliche. I'm I'm not huge on 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 the cliche because everybody's always says that you know you get better but before week one and week two, you just get better all year. You know our teams, those teams we had with Connor and. And, and, and Steven starting it and Connor and Dylan, you know, we got better as the season went, Those especially those three years. You know, our best mm-hmm. football was in November. And I think as a coach, uh, you know, I know Coach Spurrier always preached that. And, and and I think if you asked him, he would be very proud of that week. You know, we finished, we won the bowl games, we won the big games in November and and um, and, and got better. And I think that's all you want to do. So I, you, you'd like to get better all season. Um, but but if you escape that week one, you know that normally that that may kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. Have a good week of practice, and you come out and play really well. And and we just we we did just came up. You know we played really well compared to <laughs> compared to what we did again at NC State the next week. So definitely, yeah, that was that was something else. That 09 season was actually laid a uh, laid some groundwork there. Laid some groundwork. Jamie Bradford says hello here on the Nana Sports chat box to you, GA. <laughs> He'd be Jamie, mad at me. Yeah. He'd be mad at me if I didn't while. put it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. Uh, a lot of lot of respect around Gamecock land for you. Um, you know, so, so you recruited the Northeast at South Carolina with success. Um on my birthday last year, I'm sitting there watching the Bears and the and the Seahawks. And, you know, where I live, the Bears are huge, right? Yep. Uh, and I see a guy catch a fourth down winning touchdown. It's Demir Bird. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> going, going up in traffic and getting it, man. Um, you know, you recruited the Northeast with success at South Carolina. Uh, this staff looks like they're doing it, uh, especially around the DMV, Delaware, uh, up into Pennsylvania. In, in your experience up there, you know, selling the University of South Carolina, which you did with success, you know, what's the key up there uh, to doing it and to uh, making things happen? Because that, that's been a big storyline uh, with the current staff recruiting with Pete Limbo uh, going up yeah. there and kind of laying some tracks. Well, I think first and foremost, it's it, it, recruiting is and always will be about relationships. Um, no matter what NIL portal, all these new terms and new things. Um, you know, I know myself. Uh, who who knows what the, the, the next fifteen twenty years will, will, will bring in, in in anybody's career? Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow, much less twenty years. But I, I would, it, with all the, the stuff, it's always about relationships with high school coaches parents, families, kids, I still think the best recruiters and, and, and your best teams, if that is your philosophy, if, if, if high school coaches and the player, players, family, immediate family is, that's the relationship built, then those kids are going to build the relationships in the locker room, which is going to have the team that you need to have when you go out on the field to win. And that's what our, our team in those years was, was very close. They were very close. They, 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 you know, we, they, they all did everything together all the time. And, and I think that was because that was our philosophy in recruiting and, 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 and everybody was on the same page of that. And, and so the relationships were, were built and, and in the Northeast, you know, when I first went up there, I, I was, I was uh, the first time I crossed the Mason Dixon line in my life was 1994. I'd never been there. I didn't know anything about the damn place. Um, you know, I, I, I thought I thought New Jersey was New York City. You know, the whole place was New York City. I know that Demir Bird was from the blueberry capital of the world in South Jersey. And there was nothing but farmland. And um, I got Bill Cubitt was my head coach at Widener University, and he gave me a map. You know, back in those days, we didn't have we didn't have phones. We didn't have you know we didn't have maps and all that. He gave me a map. I had a map and said, "Here, you have the state of New Jersey." And um, I couldn't fig- took me two weeks to figure out you couldn't make a left hand turn. You had to take jug handles. I didn't know what a jug handle was. Never heard of it. And uh, 26 years old and didn't know what a damn jug handle was. But you, 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 I got to know those people. And, 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 and again, they're no different than us down here. You just have to get it takes a little bit longer to, to, to know them. Trust me. My wife's one of them. And, and you, you, you once you do and you get under that, we're all the same. Um, but the relationships build up there in the 11 years that I coached at Widener or Sinus College and, and, Del- and the head coach at Delaware Valley, um, I made a lot of relationships. I, I, I know a lot of people. I still play a lot of golf up there. I go up there. My wife's family's from up there. And I got to know Pete Limbo back in those days. He was at Lehigh back in those days when I was coaching. And we talked some ball together. And, and um, um, they, they, then they, were, they went to Elon and he came down to South Carolina when I was there and and brought his staff and, and they came down and spent some time with us in spring. So he knows all those people from his connections uh, up there in, in, in Lehigh Valley. And, and, you know, as we know, there's, there's good players. You're not going to make a living off of it at South Carolina, but you still have kids. My niece just graduated from Philadelphia. And she fell in love with the place when, when we were coaching here and, um, and my, my family came down, she fell in love with it when she was 10 years old called South Carolina dream school. And uh, graduated in May, so that that tells you that hey. winning and having a good time in those years uh, did for for a little ten year old at the time. It made quite an impression. So um, you can you can get good players down here from that area. Um, they like it, and uh, I think that's been proven here over the last. Year. 
All right, final question here with G.A. Mangus here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. All right, Barry Odom's defense, like it's a 3-2-6, I guess. I, I'm kind of confused about it. Uh, uh, I know that in the, in the past with you guys' offense, when, when teams drop a lot of defensive players, it, it can be problematic for your passing game. Uh, how do you counteract that? Well, you first and foremost, you got to run the ball. You got to prove you can run the ball. Um, in, in in my opinion, um, if they're going to drop a, you know, that's the it, typically through the years it's been what it's it's a long yardage. You normally see it on third long, you know, and they want to yeah. drop eight. Um, what they've done now with this these different kinds now these dime packages, what have you, with all these kids that are hybrid safety types, they can disguise it because they all have a skill set to be able. to to sometimes cover, sometimes blitz, sometimes in the run fit, sometimes not in the run fit. And and it's um, it can be difficult to figure out. But if you can run the football um, and, and make sure that they have those guys committed, um, uh, you know, that's kind of the a la what, I, what Iowa State's been doing is a little bit of a version mm-hmm. of it. They have the, you know, I call it an umbrella coverage. And then who's, who's in the fit, who's not in the fit um, in the run fit. So um, it, it, it presents some challenges. And um, – It'll be interesting to see, you know, how they attack it this week and, and what they come up with. Um, it's not uh, – it, it, it's. I think it's more – it's it's a good defense mainly because it's different. It's kind of like anybody yeah. – back in the day when everybody played four down, I was a 3-4 guy. I went out to the Pittsburgh Steelers and learned the Pittsburgh Steelers fire zone 3-4 because nobody in our league played 3-4. So I wanted to be the week that everybody had to play us. They had – adjust and, and and scheme up against a three four that they didn't see every other week so i think right now this kind of this this deal is something that you don't see um weekly and and uh it makes you work extra hours so we'll, we'll see how it works out it's always fun to watch it as a coach i always enjoy like to see this the chess match and 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 how it's uh figured out or not figured out over a week all right that's a great answer thanks thanks so much for joining us ga and i hope that this isn't the last time and uh Hope you, uh, next time you play golf, you shoot really well, man. It'll be tomorrow. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, hey, appreciate take it. care, coach. Yeah, Good anytime, guys. Y'all have fun. See okay, you, man. Take care, mm-hmm. man. G.A. Mangus joining Inside the Gamecocks the show. I just, I could talk ball with him all day. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and all that. But uh, uh, certainly, uh, certainly a good guest here. But we got another one coming right up. Uh, Nana's Porch Chat Boxers and uh, – I help consulting mailbaggers. We're going to get to you a second hour. I'm going to be extremely interactive here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. On a Thursday, Phil Monax, J.C. Sherbert, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show coming up next on the show after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at MerTaylor, at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Hey, Mo Kaba here from the Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. All right. Thanks, Mo. All right. Oh, and shout out to uh, Meredith who nailed her score Thank you, Mo. last week. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Inside the Guest. Uh, uh, 
for the. Am, am I the only one having trouble here? No, no, you're not. I think it's okay. JC. It's all on JC, Chris. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Well, we'll let we'll let JC's uh JC's internet catch up here. Yeah, that's right. We, yeah, we call. See, I, you you already know this, and I. I've told JC this. We call this the must champ hackers in my uh yeah. <laughs> my, that's what my people call it when the that's mic right. or the or the internet or the audio whatever messes up. So. Yeah, the must champ gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, must champ <laughs> hackers. Right. Yeah, we, we know of them very well. They they follow mm-hmm. me around, it seems. That's right. So. That's right. Well, just to clear something up, Chris, you know, we've had some uh, folks jump into oh the chat God. box talking about what Steven Garcia said this week on your show. But mm. can, can you explain that a little bit for those of us who didn't hear it? I, I'm assuming they're talking in regards to the offensive line. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that and, you know, is uh, I think I think some people were thinking he was throwing a bit of shade on Spencer, even though I didn't hear it that way. No, but just, I mean, I, you know, we, we yeah, we asked him to give his honest assessment of, you know, the entire team's play. And of course, he, he's going to talk quarterback play as that. well, yeah. which make a lot of sense. But um, in regards to the offensive line, I thought he actually defended the offensive line and said, you know, I, I don't feel like they should be getting all the blame. You know, there's been a lot of talk chatter from from talking heads, fans, everybody around that, you know, has been heaping all of the uh, the criticism on the line. And, I, again, I thought Stephen was very defensive of the offensive line and just said, you know, it's it goes beyond them talking about, about the perimeter blocking and just simply put the execution, it being week one, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he felt like they were getting a little too much bit too much blame. In regards to Spencer Rattler, I mean, no, nah, I, I didn't think Stephen, anything Stephen said was, was over the top or overly critical. I think he just said that, you know, he noticed in that first game, Spencer saw the rush looking to run. Um, he got sort of the happy feet is how I translated it. And then, yeah. I don't think that was something he was saying. That's something he's going to do all season. But just in that individual game, he said that, you know, he saw the rush. He looked to run immediately instead of maybe keeping the eyes down, feel a little bit longer or moving up in the pocket. And, you know, he admitted it's something he did. And we all watched even play and we all remember exactly when he did that. So, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, – you know, I, I don't think it was anything that he was he was like throwing shade at Spencer Rattler. I think just giving his his honest assessment and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Stephen did a great job of breaking the game down and everything. It was only complimentary of him, and I feel like I think he feels like that. Uh, you know, Rattler's primed to have a big year. So yeah, look, I didn't. I, you know, like so that kind of narrative got out. I I kind of I kind of dismissed it yesterday. I didn't know Stephen had said it. Had I known that, uh, that that makes total sense in the world. I tend to agree yeah. with his assessment. Um, we have some, like, uh, you know, I guess uh, amateur, like an amateur sleuth as an amateur detective. We have some amateur offensive coordinators on my message board. <laughs> and I thought that's where it had come from. So, me, Jamie Bradford and I were like, no. They're like, Steven said it on the Spurs Up show. I'm like, oh, man, well, that makes sense. Because Coach Spurrier, and we just had Mangus on. We should have asked him about it. If you didn't, I mean, it, all right. So in 2013, he almost bitched Connor Shaw, but Connor Shaw, right? Because mm-hmm. Connor wouldn't stay in the pocket and throw. Yeah. I mean, so for for coaches that enjoy, you know, I, I understand. Stephen probably was preached it all over and over, sit in the pocket. And Stephen Garcia, to his credit, probably sat in the pocket and took a shot after shot after shot more than maybe any any other quarterback I've seen here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was just, you know, tough yeah. as nails. And, yeah. And like I said, he, I mean, he admitted like I was the same way, you know, especially, yeah. you know, he, he also mentioned, you know, first game at Williams Bryce Stadium, the new lights, like the, the emotions are going. And so the tendency is everything's moving a little bit quicker than it normally would. And so you're, you know, you see the rush and you just immediately take off. And so, I mean, again, though, I thought he was, you know, he, he gave credit, he gave credit to that fact for Spencer Rattler, but, you know, he did mention that, you know, you go back and watch the tape and, 
Maybe he took off a little quick. Maybe he got out of the pocket. But, you know, the beautiful thing about Rattlers, we all saw he's got that elite arm talent. And, I mean, that was one of my biggest takeaways of Saturday night against Georgia State was that on the run, on the move. And maybe they should get him out of the pocket more intentionally, especially if the offensive line continues to struggle, you know, move him around and get creative because he's obviously shown – I mean, he can put the ball wherever he wants, it seems like, on the run. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, I, I thought, again, I thought Steven – I mean, Steven's a guy, listen, he's not going to hold back. And I, I highly suggest people to tune in every Monday because, um, yeah. you know, I, I told Garcia, you know, he, he asked me after the show, you know, I don't think he'll mind me saying this, you know, because I, I think it's a scenario. He doesn't want to be too tough on the guys, but I told him, let, let it rip. I mean, you see what you see, let it go. You know what I mean? You're just you're just talking ball. Yeah. So, But I, I didn't think in any way he was he – was, you know, talking down on Rattler, just what he saw in the game Saturday. And, again, I, I think, if, if anything, he just um, – you know, we all feel like him on the run and, again, getting Rattler on the move could actually be a benefit for the offense. So, again, I highly suggest people instead of uh, – you know, and we upload the entire Steven Garcia conversation to YouTube. Yeah, after, go check after it after out. Show. Yeah, go check it out. Go listen yeah, to what he has to say. Yeah, and I put up as many clips as I can from the conversation, but obviously there's so many tidbits. I'm not going to be able to put up a clip of everything. But, uh, no, I highly suggest checking it out. I mean, Steven did a great job of going in depth, and we'll do that every single week. And, you know, that's obviously one of the biggest reasons I'm excited to get him, you know, to have him on the airwaves is to get his perspective, obviously being in that exact position that yeah. Rattler's in. There's nobody more qualified, really, right. Chris. Yeah. I mean, I'll, right. I'll just I'll just go around. I mean, I don't, even if I – didn't see what he saw, uh, and I didn't. I see where he's coming from now, but I mean, I would just—I'd probably just shut up if you know me personally. I would just—I would—I would never—I would never, uh, I would never you know—somebody that's done it to me, yeah. uh, it has far more credibility than, than yeah. somebody like myself. Yeah. Uh, so. And and, St and Stephen's a guy too that you know when when you <clears throat> when he speaks on and he he's not a guy that's coming from a vantage point of well I'm smarter than you you know I no, played the game know. like he's just giving his honest <laughs> assessment. I mean he. He went out of his way to say many times, you know, because I asked him about scheme and the offense. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm not in the meeting room. I'm not in the huddle. Like, I don't know exactly what's being said. But, you know, he's doing what we all can do, which is give our best assessment possible from the vantage point that we have. So, all right, tell um, our listeners, like, what time he comes on on Mondays on your show? Yeah, so Steven on Mondays is 12.15 to 12.45 or 12.50 typically. Um, you know, somewhere in that time range. It's in our first hour. Uh, there might be okay. some days where Steven has to come on at 1230 or what have you because he has quarterback training or whatever, but it's in that first hour. So 1215 to 1245 is the time we have scheduled. But, yeah, it's every single Monday, man. Like I said, it's uh, – I mean, obviously it's golden content because it's Steven Garcia we're <laughs> yeah. talking about. But, it. no, nah, it's, it's really cool to get his assessment breakdown of everything, especially yeah. the quarterback position. I've watched him coach young quarterbacks too. He is outstanding at that. Uh <laughs> Some people, I mean, game guy fans probably don't even realize, like that's a big part of his life is helping young people now, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that that gets lost about it. We we talked yeah. to Mangus because you know I was like, is Stephen underrated uh, with all those quarterbacks you coached? And and he he just uh, had nothing but great things to say. And he said, yeah. in time, you know, things will happen good. Anyway, okay, so looking to Saturday, Chris. Yeah, um, Arkansas is going to be a big challenge. Uh, I feel like you know, kind of looking at it because you have to go with what you see. Uh, I always believe in any kind of football game, there's scenarios, you know, mm -hmm. there's a scenario here where Carolina can go out there, win the game, play well. There's a scenario here where they don't, but you kind of got to look at what, what you see. I, you know, Arkansas 10 and four in their last 14, Sam Pittman's done a tremendous job. They've knocked off everybody from Texas A&M to Texas to Penn state uh, I mean, they, they had a Cincinnati. great year. They had a great yeah. year last year. I was looking at it. What they won? They won all three of their trophy games. The Outback Bowl. Yeah. I mean, they they had a magical year too under Pittman. 
Yeah, so, you know, that that was a great year. They've started off well. Their program, I, mean, I think, totality-wise, you kind of look, it may be in a, in a different spot than Carolina's, but uh, I sort of look at the matchups, and I, I do think, you know, if South Carolina can get some semblance of a run game going, I think there's going to be some opportunity down the field in the vertical passing game. I, I think yeah. that's, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of, it goes kind of hand in hand. I, you, maybe you go out and you pass to set up the run, whatever you have to do if you're Marcus Satterfield and, and the offense. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be some opportunity. Uh, the question is, will they do it? You know, I, I was just laughing. I, I didn't mean to, but I was just laughing because I'm like, will we ever get to a point where it's like with South kind of football, it's just can we run the ball? I feel like I go into every game asking that question. But, no, seriously, you look at this game, and uh, I don't know if you saw this stat, too. I posted this last night, but you talk about the numbers and what they say about the Arkansas-South kind of matchup. How about the Gamecocks, since they joined the league, have faced a ranked SEC West opponent on the road 14 times. So ranked SEC West, West. on the road 14 times. Carolina's one in 13 in those games. Their win came against Mississippi State in 2001. I think that was the game that opened up college football after 9 11. Right after 9 11. Ar yep. <clears throat> yeah, and Arkansas, of course, is ranked 16th this week. Not that it means a whole lot, but it's just an interesting tidbit. I, I do look at Carolina and Arkansas and sort of, you know, JC, like you mentioned, sort of similar programs. They've got coaches that I think everybody feels like are both really great cultural fits, great fits for their school. And it feels like two programs that while Carolina's in year two, Arkansas in year three of their coach feels like they're sort of on these upward trajectories. And, and this is a big game to spark their 2022 season. Um, again, you look at what Arkansas did last year. And I said many times this preseason that South Carolina this year is trying to be what Arkansas was last year, right? Like that big time surprise mm -hmm. team and, and breaks a couple of streaks, right? Some negative losing streaks that we have on the schedule. Uh, I mean, you look back at that game, though. You look at this weekend and look back at what Arkansas did. Like you said, JC, all we can do is go off what we see. Um, you know, I, I think certainly you look first, they're susceptible to the pass game. And that, that maybe that is their weakness you can attack, giving up 325 passing yards uh, to Ben Bryan of Cincinnati. They had 113 on the ground. But I, I will be really interested to see offensively how they attack this. Again, I know we've talked offensive line all week long, and and, and most certainly we've had plenty of reason to, right? Because if you don't block, you just don't have a chance to win. Bottom line, yeah. that offensive line performance. And with that being said, I think they'll play better. I, I do believe in the whole week one to week two improvement. How much better does it look? How much better does it get? How much do you improve? I think that's the major question. But I think there will be improvement there. Um, from people I've talked to behind the scenes, it sounds like that they, they want to go a little bit more what the offensive scheme was in the bowl game, uh, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that means we see more Dak Joyner at quarterback. But, uh, you know, I, I think moving Spencer in the pocket for sure. I, I, I do agree with you. I think the the pass game to open up the run game is probably going to be the way to go. Um, you know, Arkansas, listen, you know what you're going to get. They're going to be very physical at the point of attack. I talked about it over the summer. I didn't love the matchup because you look on the other side, Arkansas, four or five guys in the offensive line back. K.J. Jefferson's an absolute freak. Um, I think one of the most intriguing matchups is how does Clayton White attack him? You know what I mean? What do you want to take away? You've got a secondary that was top ten in the country in pass defense last year. you got a run defense that while I feel like we left Georgia State and said they looked better as the game went, the defensive line took over. I don't know that I leave Georgia State as confident as some others in regards to, well, you know, just the run defense is just night and day better than last year. You still gave up 200 on the ground. So, um, which, you know, again, I know a lot of that came late, came in the first drive, but the numbers are what the numbers are. So, 
Uh, the way they attack him, I think you obviously have to make him one-dimensional. But it's a really intriguing game, and I think Vegas reflects that as well with the line movement. And I do look at this game as a toss-up. The greatest concern, obviously, and we, we, we are getting so tired of talking about it, but it's just, it's just the offensive line play and the line of scrimmage as a whole. Blocking, blocking in general, like on the perimeter, uh, Phil, I, I thought – you know, that's something that kind of got overlooked. Yeah. It, it, but that kind of stuff, too, drives me crazy because I'm like, you know, it gets back to the whole debate. And I'm, I'm going to I'm going to kind of table that debate for a while just to kind of let the season play out a little bit. Well, JC, man, I was going to say, JC, to your point, because not not to cut you off, but I've, no, been no so, I've, been, I've been so hard on the offensive line this week, and yeah. I stand by everything I've said. I just want to go out. Go oh, out yeah, and yeah. I, that. But to your point, after going back and watching some of the some of the tape, if you will, the highlights, the perimeter blocking has to get better, too. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. There were a lot more. of those screens out there that could have been at minimum 8, 10, 15-yard gainers. And you had a running back and a receiver just completely whiff on the guys. And it's like, yeah. O-line can't do nothing about that. Like, we, no. we got to get better blocking across the board, you know, so. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, you know, uh, I just, I don't know. Mentally, like, here, here's where I'm at with the offense. And, and it just may be me. And I'm sometimes I get mental, right? Uh, it's like, I, you know, when you start, when you start hearing about the Rams uh, all, all, all summer, right? Spencer Rattler said it. Uh I don't know if uh, Sat said it or not, but, you know, so I read up. What does Sean McVay's offense entail? And they don't sign guys that can't block at receiver. So, obviously, uh, blocking receivers, uh, you know, are part of that scheme. And it just kind of rattled me a little bit because I'm like, well, you know, some in college ball, like the Rams can go sign guys, right? Mm. And and when the Rams are pulling a guard uh, five yards to block an end, that's a guy that runs 4-7 that was an All-American at Iowa or Michigan. Uh, go kicking out to get that guy that makes that's a multimillionaire and gets played paid to play the game. Right. The guys at South Carolina are college kids, <laughs> and so I, I think you know that. But, but that just may be me. We'll, we'll let it play out and all that. I, I'm not ready to uh, toss in the uh, you know yeah. toss in the hat on the scheme just yet. But uh, it, there were some concerns there about that. But look, I mean, perimeter blocking in any offense is important. I mean, yeah. uh, Coach uh, Coach Spurrier used to preach it. You know he. He just yelled, block, block. Well, I mean, block. It, you know, you, you mentioned that because it's funny. Like, a lot of those plays we ran Saturday night, those those screens at the outside, like, I remember when Spurrier was there running those plays, and we would just mm. – it felt like steal 8, 10, 12 yards. But you got to have the blocking. Yeah. Those plays yeah. look really good when guys block. You know what I mean? Yeah. They look atrocious mm -hmm. when they don't. So, um, you know, I, I think the positive, obviously, and we, we talked about this all preseason, so this isn't some, like, earth-shattering news. The positive is if – if – the blocking gets better across the board, and the offensive line, as I talked about all preseason, if they're just average, if they're just average, the weapons are there. Like, the weapons are there to expose this Arkansas secondary. They're there, right? You got the quarterback to do it. You could yeah. argue you still have the best quarterback in this game. I know everybody loves K.J. Jefferson, and I, I think he's a great player too, but if Spencer Rattler's playing to his capabilities, you could argue South Carolina yet again is going to have the best quarterback in this game. That gives you a chance alone. So, you got the weapons – but when you don't have that blocking up front, it just throws everything out of sync. And obviously, it's it's Satterfield's job, I agree, to figure that out and put the pieces in place to make it work. Chris, uh, Sam Pittman said earlier this week, uh, scouting South Carolina's defense on film, that you know, he praised the linebacker play. I, I thought Saturday night, my biggest takeaway on defense in terms of what's gotten better yeah. uh, would have to be linebackers. I thought Mokaba played well. I think Debo Williams – 
at some point could supplant Brad Johnson because uh, he's always been very instinctive. He just had to learn how to, you know, at linebacker, if you get your eyes wrong and you take a, take false steps, you're going to get out of position and, and it doesn't right. matter how fast you are, but he's playing fast. He, I, I thought Debo had some really big plays. Uh, oh, Brad played well. You know, I, uh, Sherrod's coming back to Sherrod Green's coming back this week. Uh, your take on the linebackers uh, after watching Saturday night, and do you agree with Sam Pittman that this is a uh, a position that's all all of a sudden a position of strength? Yeah, I mean, after week one, for sure, I agree with you, JC. I love what I saw from those guys, just flying around, flying around the football again. Debo Williams, I thought, out of that group, impressed maybe the most. I mean, I don't want to be unfair to the other guys, but uh, oh, yeah, it seemed yeah. like he was in on a, a lot of different plays and played with that tenacity, you know, you want to see from that position. Uh, Brad Johnson, obviously really high on your, your guy, Mo Caba. Um, again, I, I thought the linebackers as a whole looked good. And then, again, that's really without – I mean, did Sherrod Green take a snap against Florida mm-hmm. State? No, he, he didn't play. play. He's, he's been, been a little banged up. He's right, right. So, and, and I'm sure they're being careful with him, obviously, because of last year and everything else. But now you get him back. So, um, you know, it, it is game one, just like we don't want to draw conclusions negatively. I, I guess we won't draw them positively. But it was an encouraging sign, if nothing yeah. else, from a unit that, you know, ha- has been – a mixed bag and has sort of struggled over the last couple of years. Now, I, I like what I saw definitely in regards to athleticism from those guys and, again, the tenacity which they played with. And it just felt like it just felt like they were flying around the football all night in on a lot of plays. So, now, I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I was very happy with the performance of the linebackers. And, uh, you know, you're going to need them again this weekend because, again, Arkansas, <laughs> physicality. They got Rocket Sanders back there in the backfield. Oh, man. Trey, Trey Knox. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of weapons on Arkansas side to account for. So they're they're going to need to play well again. Yeah, Trey Knox, I think, is a freak. Uh, he was yeah. he's a receiver that they uh, kind of built into a tight yeah. end. Uh, I think he was two hundred five. They got him at two forty five. Yeah. I thought, man, because I, I think I think their receiving core has a lot of names that haven't always produced. You know, the Hasselwoods, the Warren Thompsons. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I remember Rocket Sanders was a receiver recruit. Uh, and they turned him into a running back. So, so creativity on the part of Kendall Browse <laughs> and, and Arkansas. Yeah, they're they're really big on the outside too, right? I mean, you're talking yeah. about Knox six five, Hazelwood six three, Thompson six three. Like they got some big body dudes on that offense. So, and that that you know that can happen. Sanders even at running back six two six two two twenty seven. So he's a, he's a and big I mean. I think what I hate the most about him is he's rocking that number five, and that that just gives me nightmares. Oh honestly. my god! Five <laughs> <laughs> and a Razorback uniform. Oh, oh my god! Aaron McFadden and Matt, and Matt Jones, please, Matt Jones. Oh my god! Keep them away from me. Oh my gosh! I know that was those guys were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so South Carolina, you know, you you said before it's a pick. I'm wrapping up with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. By the way, I'll be on the Spurs Up Show here in about yeah an hour and 15 so you can catch me there um you you said it's a pick them i i you know i i think it could i mean i, I think player for player i mean it's arkansas doesn't have a huge talent advantage over south carolina I mean, if anything the gamecocks may have more future nfl players on their roster than uh, the razorbacks but uh you know how do you kind of see it playing out you know do you, do you buy into the week one to week two thing um you know, and, and we pointed out in 09, Stephen Garcia's first year as a full-time starter with G.A. Mangus, Carolina scores seven on the road against Russell Wilson and NC State. Comes back the next week, lights Georgia on fire. Lost yeah. the game, but what, you know, lost 41-37 down in Athens and went up and down the field. So, you know, things can change week to week. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, that's why we love college football, right? I was talking with a buddy about this late last night, and why we love it is I'm like, you know, we're, we're having this conversation right now, a week from right now, our conversation – 
It could be completely different. I mean, like you said, going back to 2009, I mean, you just, you know, I go back to 07 when you give up 270 or 280 against Louisiana Lafayette in week one, and then you shut down Georgia and beat them in Athens, right? You just never know. Um, I, I do believe in the week one to week two improvement. What scares me, though, about the offensive line specifically is everybody wants to say, well, it was week one. But for those guys, it doesn't feel like it was because it's the same guys as last year. Like, this isn't their first rodeo. You know what I mean? So, it's like, if you don't have it figured out by now, when is the light bulb moment? You're telling me the light bulb moments going into SEC play against, you know, a quality SEC defensive front? (laughs) You know, let me say this. When I say it's a toss-up, I I, I do look at this game as, you know, when I look in the preseason, as one of the toss-ups on this schedule. I mean, I am leaning the Arkansas way, and I will, you know, lock in a score prediction on my show tomorrow. And, um, you know, spoiler, I'm, I'm going to pick Arkansas to win the game. I'll, I'll just go, to, go out, out there and say that. I don't know many folks that will be picking the Gamecocks. Um, just because of what you saw in week one, you got to go off of what you saw, which, which is the problems up front. And I said it over the summer that I hated the matchup. I picked Arkansas to win over the summer 31 to 24. I didn't see anything in week one that would make me feel any more confident about like, well, well, actually, I'm going to go back on that. And so the score will not be the same. Um, I'm probably leaning the Arkansas way, though. Um, When the spread came out at 11 and a half, dropping down to seven and a half, now back up to nine. I I, I do see it sort of probably being close to that margin. I think this could be a really close game. And it wouldn't shock me if the Gamecocks won the ball game. It really wouldn't because – I believe in Clayton White defensively. They'll have a good plan. Special teams is going to be special teams, beamer ball. It's just all about offensively. You know, can you get enough of a push? Can you establish any semblance of a run game and give Spencer Rattler a chance? If you do that, again, you have the weapons. You saw what Cincinnati did to Arkansas secondary. The Gamecocks have most certainly got the weapons uh, to make it happen. So, you know, I go into this one. I'll say this. I go into this one really excited for the opportunity because – Here's the thing. Season openers are weird. They're funky. We all know. You never know what you're going to get. As Shane Beamer said, you don't have preseason uh, scrimmages or games or what have you against other opponents, at least. So you never know what you're going to get. And it doesn't, you know, doesn't mean just because you did this in week one, you're going to do this in week two. So we'll learn a lot about this football team this weekend. It's a great challenge. It's a it's a great opportunity. Um, I, I go into it with cautious optimism, which I guess is the definition of being a Gamecock fan to begin with. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the opportunities are there, but it, it's just we know what has to improve and has to get better to have any shot in this game. It, it's a big game for both sides. Let's not just sell it as a big game for Carolina. I mean, if Arkansas is going to have the type of year they want. You know, you got people like, you know, our buddy Brad Crawford and others picking them to go 10-2 and two this year. Well, if they're going to go 10-2 and two or hit any type of those preseason expectations, protecting your home field, in a game you're favored by almost double digits, it's a big game yeah. for Arkansas, one they need to take care of business. So a lot at stake for both sides. Um, you know, both programs, again, are, are in similar positions on that upward trajectory, trying to reach the next level. So it's a big ball game. But, hey, this is this is why you love being a fan. This is why you come to these respective schools. You want to play in games like this. So um, should be a lot of fun. Again, if the Gamecocks can hold their own the line of scrimmage, they have a chance. But they've got to do that to have any chance in this game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, I think. And, and, and hey, if you're – I know you said you weren't predicting the same score, but if you predict that, 31-24 Arkansas, and you were right, Arkansas will have won – both opening games, thirty-one to twenty-four, exactly. That was my. That was my. I'll tell you this though. That was my over the summer prediction. But my over the sure. summer prediction for Georgia State was thirty-four to fourteen, and I'd be damned. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty close. So <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, no, I, I think it'll be lower scoring. I've locked in the under fifty-three. I, I think gotcha. it'll be lower scoring. Um, I think there will be an emphasis on the run game yet again. I, I just. 
I will tell you guys this. It's it's just so hard for me to predict like this offensive explosion going from week one to week two. And and I understand, man, the coaching staff, everybody's been so complimentary of Georgia State, and they deserve it. Give them all the credit. But it's like, on the other hand, I'm like, Arkansas is better than Georgia State. So <laughs> I, we better raise the bar quickly. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I just, I understand they presented different challenges, but. Um, it ain't getting easier, right? So yeah. oh, it, it's, it's you know, bring your lunch pail and go to work and get nasty <laughs> up front. You're going to have to do it. So Exactly, exactly. Big challenge mm-hmm. for the Gamecocks. All right, Chris, thank you. And uh, I'll talk to you here in a little bit and have a great show today. We always appreciate you joining us. Yeah, JC, Phil, appreciate you guys. And JC, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Appreciate it. All right. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Y'all take yes, sir. All right, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. He joins us every Thursday or, well, every week. We, we sometimes move him around. Um, dude, the Nana's porch chat box is it's all over the place, out of of control. (laughs) It's all over the place, out of control. You've got uh, oh man, somebody's in here drinking Budweiser and vodka already today. Like, yeah, that was a little early for that. Guy's been like, uh, he's he's asking about Lavoisier Carroll. Eric says, and uh, Eric's you know, having fun today. Uh, Lavasia Carroll didn't get any touches at running back. He's like fourth string, but he, he had a really good preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to need Lavasia Carroll next year. Uh, maybe this year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know that you can blame the the backs <laughs> for a lack of rushing yardage the other night a little right. bit. Yeah. Um, and so there was probably no need to put him in. I I think uh, running back the guy I'm looking forward to seeing. Phil is is Rashad Amos when he gets in the game because he yeah. I thought he was very productive in the spring game. You know he got the punt return for the touchdown uh, on the block the other day. Um, and, and we've seen him have moments in the past too. I mean, you know, yeah, in twenty twenty he was pretty good. Uh, also says the perimeter blocking was atrocious. That's true. 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 Uh, Travis says uh, this was my point about the guards. If guards our guards can't pull all the way to the other side of the line in a hurry. And our wide receivers aren't very good at blocking. Maybe there's some plays we shouldn't be running. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think the guard thing. You know, I, I agree on the guard thing. Obviously, uh, do do I think that you you in college you, you have to design an offense around blocking wide receivers when you got guys that can catch and go make plays? No. Um, I will say this, uh, in fairness to receivers blocking and, and perimeter blocking every offensive scheme in the country requires it. So yeah, you have I, I to improve there. Yeah. I don't know this. That has to get better. I mean, Spur, even coach Spurry ran those screw little screens out there, eight to eight to 10 yards. Oh, shoot. We're just going to run a little screen and see if we can go, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Daddy O says his card has Cox plus 10 taking the points. Uh, Cocky Tuan says, I picked the Gamecocks, but our O-line is a trash can water. Man, I, I had to empty a trash can, the outside trash can. <laughs> I don't know what kind of liquid is down in the bottom of yeah, that. Yeah, no, yeah, so, you don't want to, right? Yeah. yeah it, it was it was the most repugnant thing. I, I just don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, VJ says Amos could give us something similar to Christian Bill Smith on short yardage. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Eric says, Chris. As the Budweiser vodka party at Eric's house continues, uh, Chris, I got to disagree. We will win because I love the Gamecocks. Hey, that's good enough for everybody. Oh, Austin reminds everybody, Deke Adams, who was probably uh, one of the 
least successful assistants here ever. <laughs> Man, I watched this guy coach, right? So in, in their last year, Spurrier's big idea was not to fire anybody, right? And just right, yeah. shuffle the staff and bring in John Hope and make Lorenzo Ward, who's never coached D-line in his life, coach the D-line with Deke Adams. And so, so and, and practices were always open under Spurrier. So I got to watch Brad Lawing coach, right? And Brad, when he coaches D-line, it's all constant movement, constant movement, constant. I mean, you almost think these guys are about to throw up because they're just moving and moving, 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 moving. And I look down and it's, it's the spring of 2015. And that's when I kind of figured out, because the Gamecocks had gotten some good D-line recruits, like uh, out of junior college and stuff. So they thought they'd be better. And I'm looking and I'm watching them practice. And it's like the slowest, like slower than owl poop uh, kind of coaching thing. And I'm like, man, these guys, I mean, and, and this is why between 2012 and 2013, the defensive front went from being elite to being suspect, even with Clowney. Yeah. Uh, and then in 14, the bottom just fell out. So, uh, and then D hadn't been all that good anywhere else he's been, you know, and I'm not trashing the guy. I'm just curious as to, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe in Arkansas, that's the great redeeming uh, spot. Um I think but, Barry Odom trumps that. Well, Barry, Barry, you mean yeah. Dave Odom, Phil? No. <laughs> um, no, if so. only Dave Odom were the defensive coordinator. Then. I would love it if Dave Odom were coaching. Now, he was good at defense. If he was their offensive coordinator, I bet they're going to shut him out. <laughs> uh, Go Hogs 1992. I want to mention this because a lot of you Arkansas folks have uh, infiltrated our YouTube page <laughs> and watched Trey's video, and rightfully so. Uh, yeah, we Trey, appreciate it. Thanks. And they've left a lot of nice messages. So go Hogs mm-hmm. 1992, Phil. Put this up. Hog fan here. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy your show. Expecting a good game. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I've always loved, I've always liked the Razorbacks. I've even I've with no Carolina, issues, yeah. mm-hmm. they've always been a pain in Carolina's butt over the years, uh, especially in the early on in the SEC. But man, oh man. Um they uh you know, I, I know, you know, I know Trey, I uh, have like two or three more friends that are Arkansas people, good folks. Um, if you're heading out to Fayetteville, uh, be sure to go watch Trey's travel guide. He's going to give you like restaurants, nightlife, cultural activities, whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the best things I've ever seen. But yeah, thank you, Arkansas. Go Hogs 1992. I appreciate you uh, popping in here on Inside the Gamecocks' show. All right. We're overdue for a break, Phil. Yes, uh, a reminder, this show is presented by Manscaped. You go to manscaped.com, use promo code BIGSPUR, 20% off worldwide shipping. Uh, Promo code BIGSPUR. It helps us uh, if you go buy some Manscaped products. It really does. If you want to know how to support the show, that, um, you know, that's the, uh, that's the way to do it. Uh, Buy some, buy some, some of the deodorant, uh, the the, the ear trimmers, you know, if you don't Mm -hmm. want to go all nine yards with the lawnmower, you know, the weed whacker is awesome. That's right. The performance package, yep, yep. Yeah, the performance package is amazing. So, uh, we will. Uh, we love Manscaped here, and it's it's kind of funny. I'm but the uh, shirt today, game kind. Of, I saw it. I saw it. I got. I have on a oh, purple, purple rain. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think. All right. So, big time. Um, uh, bullish Namzi Rebel says South Carolina versus Arkansas. Gamecocks lead 37-22. I I think that's in baseball. Just uh, uh, Arkansas leads the series in football 13-10. Gamecocks have won the last three uh, by a combined score of like 138 to 49. Yeah, and it's a streaky series. 
It is definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, so we're overdue for a break. Uh, Nana Sports Chat Boxers, we're going to get all in with you guys uh, in the second hour, totally interactive. We'll also get to the IELTS Consulting Mailbag. Uh, and we'll talk with Phil. Uh, Phil and I will talk uh, about the keys to this game this weekend. Tomorrow, Phil, who do we have on the show? Oh, I just drew a blank. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Michael Flint's coming yeah. on. Yeah, Flint, yeah, we got, yeah. On Wando. I got Wando back on to, to, to break everything down for us tomorrow. So uh, thanks again to G.A. Mangus and Chris Phillips for, for joining this first hour. First hour is presented by Cindy Searfoss, Realtors, Colwell Baker Kane in the upstate. I didn't mention that at the beginning. No poll because G.A. came in earlier than expected. Yeah. So no poll. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing just right off the bat. But figured you guys would get a lot more out of listening to him than listening to us. But we'll be back in the second hour uh, right here on Inside the Game Cox the Show after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com. Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nanasporch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. 
Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheen Bell with the Game Cox, and you're now listening to Inside the Game Cox Show with JC and Phil. Thank you, Jaheen. Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, joining us here. Uh, hour number two of Inside the Game Cox, the show brought to you by the Burgesson team, Remax by the Lake, commercial realtors. Uh, so go to Cindy for your residential needs in the upstate and then throughout the state, the great state of South Carolina. Uh, you can go to the Burgesson team for commercial uh, needs and all that. Also, uh, Meredith Taylor, uh, thank, thanks to her for sponsoring the guest line. It's the Meredith Taylor guest line. Uh, be sure to check out you know, her golfing school. That's another reason why she's taking a hiatus. She's working on her online course. So if you're out of state and you need golf tips, uh, be sure to patronize her services. I, I think she definitely knows what she's doing. Um, obviously, <laughs> more than <laughs> than we do. I'm probably going to sign up myself, to be honest. All right, Nana's porch chat box. Uh, Travis, how do y'all feel about our chances of blocking well enough to buy Rattler three seconds to get the ball out? I feel like that's all the time he needs to carve up their secondary. I, you know, we'll see. Well, you know. Uh, just like South Carolina can get better in certain areas, Arkansas can get better in the secondary too. Now they do have injuries, but I'll remind everybody, they did a, a, the Hogs did a great job in the portal, right? Right, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys with, uh, and like GA mentioned earlier, with SEC experience, um, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for that early on in a player's career uh, or, or first season in the league. You know, you kind of get there and you're like, wow. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Brooks took three years, but that's fine, you know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, guys like Juice Wells may have some adjustment right away uh, in this game, and then and then get get running. I, I don't think this is not saying that you know Shane Beamer and, and his staff need to stop recruiting guys from FCS and, and G five out of the portal because I, I would t- I totally disagree with that. But uh, uh, there is an adjustment to be made, and, and the guys they have in the secondary, like Breeny. I mean, he played for Georgia last year, started 12 games for the Dogs on a national championship level, even one of the historically best defenses in the country. Um, still, there's a reason he probably wasn't starting. And still, Catalan uh, is an elite talent, uh, mm-hmm. no question about it. So, yeah, probably uh, a first rounder. Yeah. yeah, there will be some drop off, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I do think there, there could be some opportunity down the field. But, you know, they do have to, you know, the coaching staff's aware uh, of, of, of how to attack uh, Arkansas. And, you know, like GA said earlier, you, you have to. You can't just let them sit back and uh, and try to pick them apart when they're dropping eight. You know, you have to show you can run the ball against this defense. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be important as well. Do you run it right at them? Do you, or are they, you know, are they quick enough to beat you to the edge? Uh, you know, there's a perimeter blocking that you got to get done, all kinds of stuff, Phil. Uh, but blocking in general, I, I think that's the theme of this weekend or, or, you know, the whole the Saturday's game, block. Mm-hmm. Block, yeah. B-L-O-C-K. Yep. Block. There should be a <laughs> big block print. in. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll also say this, Travis, to your point, too, about the Razorbacks. They they hit the portal hard for some D linemen. Um, 
you know, and, and a lot of talented guys. Landon Jackson's good. You know, you got Drew Sanders, an outside linebacker that's a, a, a terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Terry Hampton from Arkansas State I really like. Um, but, but these are new new kind of new players, too. I mean, they're not guys that went through the SEC schedule last year or whatever. And so, you know, South Carolina, again, I'll, I'll say it again, they have veteran offensive linemen that have played in so many games. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you, you expect them to, to get up and, and block some, Phil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you do have that expectation. And I think, you know, I know it's game two, but – from my perspective, this is more like a one A one B kind of situation, and that this is you know now you're out of your own home, you're on the road, uh, you're facing an entirely different defensive animal. You know, I mean, it was speed was what they were killing us with last week. Uh, while this defense still has the speed and the ability, I, I think it's going to come at you a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way they draw it up and the way that they typically go at you, even though, I mean, is it going to be three, three, five, or is it going to be, you know, yeah, <laughs> who knows what it's going to look like, yeah, three, yeah, two, six, mean, who knows, but. Uh, and Odom, Odom's good at scheming teams up. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I remember the 2020 season, uh, shoot, was it, it was Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and Matt Corral. Uh, mm-hmm. They went to play Arkansas and they hadn't lost. They had, they had, nobody would argue they had a great offense that season. Yeah. Uh, and Corral threw six interceptions against these guys. Yeah, I know. And, and I think uh, little, uh, one thing we need to caution ourselves on, and I, hopefully I'm sure the coaching staff is thinking all this through, you know, beyond what we think it through. But, uh, you know, okay, if you're having problems blocking up front, you roll your quarterback out, you know, and just get him mobile. And since, you know, Spencer is effective that way. But, you know, they saw that too. <laughs> and they're going to be able to defend against that. And I think that's going to be part of their game plan. Um, just because it looks like the path of least resistance for us. If they do not have confidence in the offensive line, uh, the game plan will look an awful lot like a very mobile Rattler, and and I don't think that's going to last for longer than a half because they're going to figure that out quick. Yeah, that, definitely, definitely. I, I think that uh, their plan is going to be to put pressure on Rattler, keep him in the pocket. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. let him escape. And, and you know, that's uh, – Sometimes that's easier said than done, but it all gets back to blocking. I uh, didn't want to mention this, Dabo Sweeney. Oh, God. <laughs> ah, a little Dabo news oh, I today. I can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> um, Dabo signs a new contract. and uh, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is why they keep putting this in his contract, right? Um. So the term sheet of his deal, uh, termination by Clemson without calls because it's a hundred eleven million dollar deal, eleven point five million a year, right? Sixty four million dollar buyout this year, sixty million the next two years, and fifty seven million the year after that. But but this is interesting, Phil. There are penalties on Sweeney should he leave for the Alabama job, specifically. They right. put this in the contract between now and twenty thirty. Uh, he'd owe Clemson nine million seven point five, and the amount decreases annually. Um, if you leave for any other school, the buyout six and five. So I don't know, man. I, 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 if I'm Clemson, I, I don't even know that I'm putting it in there, right? Right. Because uh, yeah. I don't. If you're paying Dabo this much, and he's already been making a ton of money, he's not a <laughs> not a poor guy, right? Right. right. <laughs> uh, you know, and Dabo leaves uh, that extra you know, one point, whatever, or 3 million or whatever, that, that, uh, that's a drop in the bucket. And the Uni- university of Alabama can write a check for that. Right. <laughs> Without hesitating, uh, they would write a check. Yes, I don't know. But, oh, don't uh, worry. We'll pay the buyout. Yeah. 
So yeah, Dabo's got a new deal, and it's a big time. You know, eleven point five million a year, man. I should have gone into coaching. We need to go back in time when we were sitting there partying at your your wife's apartment back in the day. It was his his girlfriend. Uh, And we need to go. I'm going to go back and have a talk with the old Phil and old JC and be like, guys, go into coaching. Right. Just start now. (laughs) My goodness gracious. I mean, even bad coaches make a lot of money, as as we well know. That's right. You don't have to be good. Um, continuing <laughs> on the Nana Sports chat box, uh, Carl says Arkansas has a linebacker at quarterback, and South Carolina has the most NFL ready quarterback in the country. I don't know about that NFL ready. Um, and and the uh, word most, I think, yeah, let's, yeah, uh, and I don't, I think KJ Jefferson has shedded the linebacker, um, yeah, his arm talent, yeah, he's he kills that script, yeah, he's gotten better. And Austin, Austin disagrees with Carl. Um, also says he's not Cam Newton, but just because he's big doesn't mean he can't throw the ball. That's true. Lance says, so do we feel this offense has more in it or are we treading water again? Time will tell, Lance. Yeah, we'll see. We'll tell. Uh, Tactician says, I agree. Georgia State's defense is not as good as Arkansas's, but it's such a different style. It's like playing triple option, different from most power five teams, but they're so strange to play. They make many of those power five schools look bad. Yeah, and look, I went back and looked at the stat line. Uh, Auburn had trouble running the ball against this group last year. In 2019, Tennessee, with a lot of future NFL players on its offensive line, um, could not get the run game going at all uh, in that football game. So that's the deal there. Tactician adds, uh, adding my last point, one of the things Georgia State does that many teams are not good at is refusing to be blocked. That that's, could be a reason our blocking was so horrible in that game. That's true. Uh, Travis says, LOL, B-L-O-C-K. Thanks a lot for answering my questions, Dave JC. Got to run outside now, but love your show and your site where I post is Callie Trav. Yeah, Callie. Um, Trav, Callie Trav lives in Los Angeles, uh, California. Uh, he's a member of the Big Spur and uh, certainly a valued listener here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Tim says, Dabo is a legend in his own mind. And in Pickens County, and part of Greenville County, and Anderson and Oconee. Oconee, yeah, oh yeah, some um, of that North Georgia area too. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, a he's bit. infiltrated that. Yeah, that's, 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 that's technically dog country over there, but you know, once you cross the border, but Hartwell does have Hartwell has some, Hart, yeah, Hartwell has some some t- Clemson fans. Oh yeah, <laughs> almost messed up there. Uh, VJ says, "Is it a fair statement to say that run heavy teams didn't have better run defenses?" As that is that is what they see in practice. I don't know. Um, like Mississippi State's run defense is really good. I doubt they practice much against the run at all. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it just kind of depends on. Uh, yeah, the run game relies on the element of surprise. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I remember they had a, 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 a. He ended up opting out in 2020, but they had an All SEC running back coming back, and they beat LSU that first game, Phil. But he only got like four carries. Yeah, I know. What but about them going to Arizona this week? What? Yeah, <laughs> that's a weird schedule. But but he caught like twelve passes for one hundred eighty-five yards. It was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Arizona. Yeah, that's a weird road game. And and I'll tell you this: Arizona looked pretty good. Last yeah, year. Uh, you know, a lot better than they did last year. It's not easy to beat San Diego State. San Diego State loves to beat poor, porous Pac-12 teams. 
<laughs> they get up. That's their Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And Arizona won. And, you know, there's, believe it or not, Jed Fish, which I thought was just a brutally bad hire. <laughs> um, he's recruited pretty well out there so far. And Wildcat fans are fired up, you know. So yeah. uh, they'll get uh, Mississippi State this weekend out in Tucson. Not an easy place to go uh, and play a game if you're the Bulldogs. But, uh, you know, I think Mike Leach is probably pretty used to um, used to going to Tucson you know, I was Washington State. And, you know. uh, but uh, that should be a heck of a game. Well, we're going to find out uh, Mississippi State with a tough road test. Uh, VJ says, I saw, tall, I saw a ton of run blitzes versus Georgia State on passing downs, uh, making it difficult for Rattler to step up and for the running back to be available for dump offs. Yeah, it was a, it, it's what's called a, uh, I think they're running fire blitzes. Uh, that's a, kind of a run, that's a run blitz because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter. You know, passing down or whatever, um, you know that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, you absolutely good, 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 uh, good point there, VJ. On that, better, aka Belmont. Belmont, yeah. <laughs> Belmont. So, uh, Austin says Clemson football will be the only sports team they have before long. Uh, I don't know how I missed it, man. Because when I was a kid, Clemson won the national title in soccer, men's soccer. Yeah, and I didn't realize they'd won it last year. Uh, but they, they did. They, yeah, dude. And, you know, like back then, living in Spartanburg, you heard about, I mean, there were people flying car flags and stuff, so excited about it. But uh, you didn't hear a word about it, really. I mean, it was like, a, hey, Clemson won the national title in soccer, men's soccer again. Nobody said it, nobody said peep about it. Nope. Um, you know, Colin says, I think it helps that Arkansas is not a blitzing team, plus a su- suspect secondary with injuries. I uh, would say you, since he quarterback, Cincinnati's quarterback did miss several throws last week. Could have had more. Yeah. Jason does not have a positive feeling. He says this is the feeling of Tennessee last year. I feel like before the second quarter, this game will be out of reach. Man, if that happens, I think I'll be disappointed. Just, just yeah. to be honest. I, you know, South Carolina's better than that. I mean, yeah. you know, that game last year against Tennessee, they got boat raced, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the definition of a boat racing. Um, and I thought, you know, obviously in that game, you know, how you beat a team. Phil, that, that goes as fast as Tennessee, uh, is with your offense. You know, you, you establish the run, you keep them off the field, mm-hmm. and you got to counter punch their momentum. I mean, Tennessee got off to a lead last year uh, against everybody they played. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. Alcon was no different. And then you're down there on the two, and we know what happened. Yeah. And that's one of my keys to this game is don't lose this game in the first two possessions that Arkansas has because you can. Yeah. <laughs> if they go up and yeah. down the field on you, put 14 points on you, you're in a 14-point deficit, then it's just like Sam Pittman's just going to sit back and run the ball. And, yeah. And you're done. <laughs> yeah, and that's what Arkansas will do. They'll bleed you to death mm-hmm. once they get a lead. Yep. Uh, and then Barry Odom is going to be able to drop eight because, you know, you're going to have to start yeah. throwing it. Yeah, because um, you're in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> and look, man, Carolina not once last year. Well, one one get Missouri. They got out to a good start at Missouri, got an early turnover. Um, scored a touchdown, and then we're about to score again, and there was an unfortunate fumble. And then the next thing, you know, Missouri's up 17-7. Every other road game, East Carolina got up 14-0. Georgia wasn't – Georgia was kind of like back and forth. Mm -hmm. Georgia got touchdowns, Carolina got field goals, and then uh, the the second quarter was where everything kind of went behind. They were still down 26-6 at the half. Uh, A&M, don't even get me started. Oh, God. Uh, That that was over before – 
I mean, you know, you're looking up in the in the third quarter. Carolina's got what five yards of offense. Yeah. Um, and, and at Tennessee, we mentioned as well. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Carolina on the road needs to start faster mm-hmm. um, in, in games, um, and that will, uh, Jason, avoid them. You know, getting like, like Tennessee last year, which was 45-20, and by the time the game guys even scratched, I mean, they, you know, I guess when they cut it to 38-20 in that one, had they hit the two pointer. You're down two scores then, and there was still enough time technically to get back. But that that one was just like yeah, after halftime, it was like watching a scrimmage, really. Yeah. Um, Tech Tissue says, like you, Jason, if uh, Arky underestimates this team, they could pay big time. We aren't what we looked like last week. That much I believe is true. Are we good enough? We'll see. Eric says, "Am I the only one that thinks we will win?" I think it's possible. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not conceding this game. I'm probably. No. <laughs> Like Chris gonna pick Arkansas to win because you know, just like Chris said, you got to go with what you see and what you've seen so far. And what I've seen so far is, and, and you know, kind of right now, living in the now, uh, with the understanding that things can change in an instant in college football, and that's why we love it. Um, you know, right now, I think Arkansas winners of ten of fourteen won their season opener, looks solid doing it. South Carolina's got issues. You know, you you probably would just you'd have to really take a leap of faith to pick the Gamecocks. That's not to say they can't win, though, because that's one of the reasons I'm not a big predictions guy, because in every football game, there's a scenario. You know, there's yeah. a if this, then this. Now, if this, then this. So, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. Um, I do think one thing about the defense, you know, uh, I guess what Carolina had forced one turnover, two turnovers, uh, two, two turnovers. Um, was it one? Uh, I thought one interception thought late. One interception late. Uh, mm-hmm. They stopped them on downs early. Yeah, yeah, turnover it, on downs. Yeah. It, it would be beneficial for Carolina to uh, crank up the turnover machine again. But as we all know, sometimes, you know, last year they, were, they forced a ton of turnovers. This year, you know, it kind of comes in waves. So you yeah. can't count on it, but uh, definitely that'll do it. Uh, that, that'll help. That always helps on the rim. Quantrell says, hope we use the tight ends vertically in the passing game this week. We have two NFL tight ends. Use them. I agree. I agree, Quantrell. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, you know, as, as much as I kind of like it when Jaheim uh, gets carries and they use them in different ways, I mean, I, I think he's a vertical threat, and so is Austin Stogner. Um, shoot, I, I was not inspired by Satterfield's response to – the question about, you know, how many carries Jaheen's going to get. He was like, well, we need to get the ball in his hands, and there's just a lot of less factors if you just hand it to him. It's like, eh, you know, <laughs> you're not confident to get it to him in the air, <laughs> you know? I don't like that. That was the one thing from the press conferences that really gave me pause this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. I'm yeah, with you like, there. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say this too, Phil, like, and so when you're talking about play calling, I'll remind everyone that you know, the essence of play calling is, you know, when a defense gives you a certain look, you know, you have plays lined up to to counter that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to get the right look to run it. But that um, that pass, uh, it was the second Jaheim touchdown in the bowl. Uh, it was it's an RPO, I think, uh, from and Zeb threw it. Uh, if they get that look, I mean, because they also ran it like uh, another time. Uh, at East Carolina, and and Zeb just the one hop the pass or threw a pick or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jaheim would have scored then too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they get the right look, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them bust that one out because 
Rattler obviously is going to be able to hit that pass yeah. uh, pretty well. Uh, Austin says we haven't won two games in a row since Eastern Illinois and East Carolina at the beginning of last season. We need to end that streak. Agreed. Yes. Um, Tetian says want to start fast. Then you have to start quick passes, several of them in a row, not running the ball up the middle on first down each time. I thought the other day they did a pretty good job of throwing on first down. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe I'm thinking wrongly on that. I'd have to go back and look at the stat sheet. Okay. Uh, hour number two. Inside the Gamecocks, the show continues on. Brought to you by the Burgess and team at Remax at the Lake. Uh, thanks to GA Mangus and Chris Phillips for coming on earlier. Michael Flint tomorrow with final predictions as we bring you into the weekend. Those of you I've seen on social media, uh, those of you that are traveling to Fayetteville today, uh, and I've seen several you know tweets and, and Facebook posts. Hey, end of hog heaven or whatever. Please travel safe, and yeah. please, please, please try not to. Uh, commit homicide uh, in the airport because last time I traveled, I, I mean, I, and I, I've traveled a bunch for work, you know, but I'm not used to it. I don't have my sea legs like I used to. Right. So a few weeks back, I had to go to Columbia for something. So I flew into Charlotte from uh shy town and it was the most miserable, miserable experience I've ever had. Oh, gosh. And, and I've been to Disney with kids in July. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, miserable, total misery. So, so y'all, y'all be safe and be polite to your flight attendants. That's right. Yeah, the, the nice people that are at the at the Fayetteville Airport or, or wherever you're flying out to. But anyway, be safe, those of you that are traveling out there. Uh, we are going to come back and wrap up final half hour of the show. More from the Nana's porch chat box. We're having fun with that. More from the uh, I think we got some mailbag questions. So. Uh, I will check that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Twitter stuff too. Uh, and so we'll answer those really quickly uh, right here on the show. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I used to be president of the United States. And I love the show with Phil and JC. Thank you, Bill. Thanks. Appreciate all that. Uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show rolls on on a Thursday. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, you know, Phil, when you look at this game, it's it's one, you know, I guess when you're looking at the schedule and you're like, wow, you know, here they come right when they're getting good again um you know it it sort of just stands out as uh, you know hey gosh this um this uh freaking uh rotating west schedule never does the Gamecocks any favors I I I think it's probably a little better uh, than going to like Ole Miss this year probably uh although I I don't know that I was super impressed with their offense against Troy uh, or, you know, I think it's better than going to Mississippi State and having to deal with the pirate, right? Dialing them up on you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a terrible matchup for the Gamecocks if, you know, they can move the ball on offense, take advantage of the Arkansas secondary. And also, uh, I think defensively, Phil, um, that's probably the key to the game. I wrote yesterday, South Carolina's defense on the road in SEC games last year was just uh, a paper tiger, especially mm-hmm. against the run. 
Oh yeah. Um, so I, I think I think I think this is a chance for the Carolina defense and the linebackers and you know all the improved parts of that side of the ball uh, to step up and kind of show the country and the league and whoever else that you know this defense. Yes, they had a good year last year, forcing turnovers. Uh, it was certainly better than the offense, but that, that they're about to take the next level because I always say this. I can't remember a time South Carolina had a really good team. Not, not, you know, that means better than seven and six, right? Which is kind right. of average uh, without having uh, a very good defense. I mean, that's going back to Lou Holtz. Um, Brad Scott's one or two good teams. <laughs> he, didn't have, he didn't have much defense during his time, but uh, all the way back to like the Fire Ants and uh, Black Death in 1987. Right. Uh, Carolina's best teams have always come. All the Spurrier's teams had really good defenses uh, when they've had good defense. Yeah, and that, that made me feel really confident about the team overall, uh, watching it last week and that, you know, aside from right at the beginning of the game and then there at the end, getting gashed for some runs. But the defense overall looked faster, looked better prepared. Uh, and that's the one the defense and special teams are the one thing JC that I think are the two things that are keeping me in the, in the realm of we could win this game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from what we saw is like, if we do the right things on defense and special teams, then we've got a chance. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the game's going to be close. Um, uh, I like the under, I think we'll cover at least, and you know, you never know. Hell, I may convince myself we're going to win this damn thing for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Dad, Daddy O is right there with you on that sports chat box. He says Carolina thirty-seven, Hogs twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool. Um, and he also says Todd's going to run out of booms on Saturday. Let's hope. <laughs> oh, trucker! Uh, you know, hey, uh, there used to be. <laughs> a, hockey, a hockey play-by-play guy. Uh, I think it was the Florida Panthers in Miami, and every time they would score, he would have a movie quote. He'd be like, and he scores, mom, the meatloaf. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard some of those clips. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, you know uh, what's in the box? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think uh, I think Todd that'd be cool for him to incorporate into some. Yeah, yeah, throw in some stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, or, or maybe maybe it's like song titles, you know, like classic rock song titles. And he, you know, game kind of scores like touchdown Carolina, touchdown Jaheim Bell, live and let die. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe it's like eighties uh, eighties right. rock lyrics, you know, uh, you know, oh Rattler caught by Wells. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Juice Wells. I'll be there for you. <laughs> Get one on defense. Touchdown, Carolina. Roll with the changes. <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. Oh. <laughs> now that's the best one. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best. Uh, <laughs> old Larry Munson, uh, you know, he, he he didn't say pour some sugar on me, but with Georgia – Georgia's going to Sugar Bowl back in the 80s. He's like, look at the sugar falling from the sky. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but Daddy-O, I think we all hope Todd runs out of booms on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, Brian says, afternoon, fellas. Past two days have been super busy. You couldn't get it at the start, but I'm rewinding to the start now. Go Cox. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Loyal, all of you loyal listeners out there. Okay, I help consulting mailbag. I help consulting. How can I? I think we have some. 
Um, oh, Pastor did give a shout out to Mangus. He said, excited to hear from GA Mangus on the Big Spur pod. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't see this beforehand. I would have asked him. Would love to hear his thoughts on preparing for an SEC road game from a coach's perspective. What are the biggest non-negotiable pieces of getting ready for that caliber of a game? I, I think it's just preparation and understanding. Uh, that's why young teams don't do well on the road most of the time. Um, you know, even if you're like Alabama or somebody, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're inexperienced, that stuff can get to you. That's one of the concerns I do have about Rattler going into that environment. Okay. I think that, you know, when you look at his 2020 season at Oklahoma, Phil, uh, people forget this. There were no fans. I mean, at, at most you had 10,000 in the stands yeah. that year. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons nobody played defense that year because, you know, the crowd noise impacts an offense, right? And when you don't have crowd noise, it's, it's a little bit easier to move, to get your signals in and communication-wise you're there and you, you move it up and down the field. So I, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that there were bad defenses across college football that year. There were no fans in the stands, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rattler went through that year in the Big 12 and then – Last year, I mean, I'm sure he's been in the stadiums and there are good environments in that league, um, similar to Arkansas. But uh, going in there and playing quarterback, all of a sudden, for really the first time in his college career as a starter, uh, in that environment, you know, that, that's not something he's he's faced before, Phil. No, no, you definitely have to account for that mentally. And I think uh, you know, as good as Arkansas's environment is down there in Fayetteville, I, it's not going to be anything like what they experienced this past Saturday. Uh, I mean, you yeah, know, even yeah. though it is going to be hostile, but it's not going to be Williams Bryce at night. <laughs> no, and look, shout out again to all the Gamecock fans for rocking and rolling that. That was yeah. that was one of the even you know even if you took away the new lighting and new sound and all the the bells and whistles, that was a tremendous environment. Yeah, just having you know almost eighty thousand people there. Period. Or, you or know, just yeah. eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's tremendous and. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and I don't know if last year was because of COVID or, you know, the Gamecocks kind of, you know, had a, had one game and then they went on the road and the offense started struggling. They went East, East Carolina, Georgia, back-to-back. By the time they got back home, you know, Kentucky had a decent-sized crowd. I was there. It was still kind of empty in East Upper. Hmm. But um, after those games when they couldn't score, I think people were just like, oh, here we go. Here we go again. I, was, I also think – you know, last year was kind of at the tail end of COVID and stuff, and there were some people that just naturally stayed away. But it, the crowd came back in full force mm-hmm. uh, last Saturday night. Daddy, did you see uh, Welcome Home yesterday? Did you catch the episode of Welcome Home on ESPN? I actually, did not. I missed it. Was, it. I caught it this morning. It was good. It was actually game one. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's like different perspectives of what it looked like, and you could really see how well we showed out. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think for as much crap, uh, and, and some of us, a lot of us deserve, uh, as the game day operations department at Carolina get, has gotten over the years, uh, I think I think there was a lot of work put in, a lot of uh, foresight that went into it, a lot of creativity that went into it, mm-hmm. and I think they nailed it. I, I really did. I thought South Carolina, uh, kudos to Ray Tanner, Chance Miller, the administration, the game day operations, Eric, if you just name it. Uh, name everybody there because they, they had a great, a great job. And I'm looking forward to, see, to seeing how it, it evolves. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I guess the lights won't be – you won't really see all that against Georgia next weekend at, uh, at noon. But uh, the sun will be the brightest light in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
yeah. damn near it up here. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie yeah, has another good Todd Ellis, like, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, I like that one, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's some funny stuff. And, and Tim goes, you mean you don't want hug and kiss the ones you love? Touchdown, Carolina. Well, Charlie Mack, at least, I mean, he – <laughs> and, and this is one. This is one of the reasons there's Todd Ellis now, because Charlie Mack was a, a pro announcer. Uh, came in from Vandy, I think, Nashville guy. Uh, took the play-by-play job at Carolina, and he 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 started out with put a garnet six on it. Put a garnet six on it. Put a garnet six on it. <laughs> uh, it's touchdown, Carolina. And then uh, everybody's like, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 in fairness, he had a tough, tough job he followed bob fulton i mean you you yeah, know yeah <laughs> and so uh and then i think when uh like right before lou at the end of brad scott it was kiss and hug the ones you love it's touchdown carolina so you go from the garnet six to kiss and hug the ones you love it's touchdown carolina so i don't know i didn't like either one of them <laughs> <laughs> and the team was bad then, and so it's like you can stick your guard at six. Yeah, that's know, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or what you know. So anyway, uh, Colin says the third down rooster call was my only complaint. If you want to call it that, would turn it down a slight notch, just because we hear it a hundred times in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and that's fair, Colin. That's a fair thing. I, I uh, as I've gotten older, loud noises bother me. <laughs> right. So. Austin has a prediction. Prediction in from the Nanosports chat box. 27-24 Gamecocks. Mitch Jeter hits another 50-yarder for the walk-off win. Yeah, and when I say special teams, that's what I'm really thinking about is Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger. I'm not – you can't count on block punts and stuff like that this week. But, no, yeah. You know, but a good long kick, 80-yard punt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. That's going to that's gonna help. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I I agree, and you know, not to do a Muschampism, but the vertical field position. <laughs> he used to talk about the vertical flip, the vertical field position, the vertical field position. Uh, oh, so you, 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 know, you, you can you hit a 40, 50 yard punt, and Kai, Kai had a seventy nine yarder, right? Yeah, um, that can help. That that's good. Helps your defense. Uh, helps your offense when they get ultimately get the ball back and all that good stuff. Uh, South Carolina Gamecock man says, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says Charlie Mack was uh, SCSD Higgs says Charlie Mack was awful. Todd is an upgrade. I would have to agree there. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and again, Charlie Mack had a tough job. You, I mean, you follow Bob Fulton. That's nobody's going to like you. I mean, that, that's that, that's like uh, that's ridiculous. You know, it's like he's like yeah. the he was like the Ron Zook of you know Ron Zook followed Spurrier at Florida. He's like the Ron Zook of Carolina announcers. So, um, but yeah, kiss and hug the ones you love. So John says a buddy of his from up here in the Pacific Northwest who works in higher ed athletics was on a trip and took in the game at Williams Bryce last weekend. He said it was the most intense atmosphere he had ever seen. And he's been to final fours and national championship games and other sports. A lot of people from the outside, when they go to Williams Bryce, Phil, they're they're very impressed. So it is the definition of a hostile road environment. Yes, and, and it's back. It's back. I mean, COVID years and the Muschamp era. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> things happen. You know, and, and, you know, there are the games that wasn't quite as good, but man, it's back now, and it's oh, it's yeah. unreal. So that was a that was an awesome thing. Daddy O says he believes it's essential that Carolina's defense forces multiple turnovers Saturday. It must eliminate turning it over. Yeah, you can't turn it over on the road, man. Yep. 
Yeah, you got to protect the ball. Got to protect the ball. There's no question uh, about it. So uh, that's the deal there. Uh, Andy Demetra would have been the best option. I thought it was interesting that we let him go. Although he got to do everything at Georgia Tech. I get that. You yeah. know, but I didn't mind listening to Andy when got basketball calls. Uh, but uh, you know, I know what your head's at, and I agree you know with you. I'm very, I, 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 and I agree I'm with you there. there. Yeah, shouldn't let that one get away. No. It's probably <laughs> personal to me, you know. So I get it. And I think uh, Brad does it. Or who's the new? Who's the basketball play-by-play guy? Is it Brad? It's not Brad Mueller. It's uh, oh gosh, I can't. I, I can't believe I can't. Right now. See, I don't. Every basketball game is on SEC Network, so I usually watch it on SEC Network. But mm. uh, Derek Scott. Derek, Derek Scott, Scott, yeah, Derek, Derek Scott. Scott. Derek Scott is a pro. He does a great job. Uh, he's tremendous. I think uh, he's a uh, he is a uh, outstanding, you know, basketball play by play guy. And and I, I liked him probably better than Demetra. I just, you know, Demetra. It was like I remember one basketball game. You know, Carolina upset Kentucky, and he was like, "Let the upset begin." I was like, "What?" <laughs> And um, it just know, commenced. Uh, <laughs> Mike Patrick called the, uh, the the College World Series hit right, and um, you know that's kind of the famous line drive by Phil Base hit. South Carolina's going to win the College World Series. Well, the Metro's call is just like, and the game is over. The wait is over. Uh, I don't know. I maybe mean, I, maybe I'm just overly critical. I I, I you know uh, I, I don't know. We. Uh, we, uh, I got a suggestion today, Phil, that we, we start uh, coordinating our outfits like uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, broadcast crew, Harry Doyle <laughs> and, and Marty. Uh, you know, as the season went along, they were like, uh, yeah. by, by the end of it, they both had like tuxedos on at the right. end. Playoffs. <laughs> I, think, I think if we start, uh, start uh, you know, the Gamecocks start winning, like we'll get to that Clemson game. We'll both have tuxedo T-shirts on, you know. <laughs> Nice. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ricky Bobby. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it's classy. It's classy. Yeah. And I'm uh, lead singer for Leonard Skinner. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Of course, chat box is all caught up. Um, if I did have a poll today, I would have probably, and I'll probably do it tomorrow. I would have gone Spencer Rattler touchdown passes over under 2.5, Phil, for the game. Mm. I hate I hate that the theme for this week is believe it when you see it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I hate it too. It's it, it stinks. Too, you know, you just gotta. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's. You know what? It's gonna be a hell of a game, and they're gonna play their asses off. <laughs> yeah, uh, Drew actually asked. He said over. Um. I could see it. I mean, that's the I can see, see it. Daddy O says since they're scoring 37, he's going Yeah, up. that's right. Yeah, there you go, Daddy O. And, and I, I think, too, I, I think, too, uh, with that. Tim asked, whatever happened to Don Williams? He was always under the goalpost during the field goals. Yeah, he, Don was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd take it down to Don Williams, and uh, he was also the color analyst for basketball with Bob Fulton. Yeah. Bob Fulton, Don Williams here at the Carolina Coliseum. That was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Pretty good Bob Fulton right there. Not bad. Not bad. Queasy says no. Spencer Rattler interceptions over under two. I'm going under. Yeah, I've got to go under. I can see him throwing one. 
you know, I mean, he, he's going to throw some, okay? I mean, that, he's because that's just quarterbacks that have that kind of arm talent, man, they they trust it bigly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to throw one. I, I don't – I don't. you just got to bounce back from it. And obviously, like, uh, you know, uh, interceptions are bad because unless you do them around midfield and they don't – then they're always going to hurt you because you're either inside – the opponent's territory and you blow a scoring opportunity uh, or you put your defense in a bad position because you're inside uh, uh, territory. So hopefully not more than one, in my opinion. Craig says, can we please run some screens Saturday, Craig? They have we to did. block the perimeter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to get it, it. Look, maybe maybe personnel-wise you put Jaheim more out there or something uh, and, and all that. Quincy says, are you saying Todd Ellis's record is safe? I think that record – is going to outlast all of us. Yeah. Everybody in the chat box, everybody listening, uh, our, our kids, our, <laughs> our, our kids, <laughs> that, that record is, is never going to be broken. Nobody's even come close. Um, and, and part of it's this, is that Todd played for four years, right? Most of four years. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and in fairness to him too, I mean, I think he ran – they ran run and shoot the first two years. That's going to lead to some picks, right? Especially with a guy like him that, you know, he was kind of a gunslinger. Uh, and then he changed offenses again and then changed offenses again. So that's, uh, in fairness to Todd and that record, you know, <laughs> but no, it'll never be broken. Never. Um, uh, Bradford, Jamie chimes in. JB. Will be interested to see how much they get Rattler involved or more involved in the run game with the way Barry Odom calls his defense. That will be a big key to improving the run game. You make a great point, sir. Yep. Uh, we didn't really see a lot of design runs with Rattler except uh, on the two-pointer, um, kind of running for his life. And so that yeah. was it there. Uh, Rattler, the so sophomore. Uh, he's doing a Bob Fulton. Uh, does Arkansas still have an insanely fast backup quarterback to their running plays with him? Yeah. Yeah. And not very many people are talking about him either, but uh, he's yeah. there. He's scary. Um, honest to goodness. Uh, uh, when I was watching the Penn State bowl game last year uh, against Arkansas, um, Jefferson got injured. Like he, he wasn't, mm. It wasn't a major one, but he had to go out for a play. I think his helmet may have come off. Boy, they put Hornsby in there, and he just takes it around left tackle, and nobody touched him. I mean, it's one of the fastest players I've ever seen. Um, mm. So when he went in the portal, because he went in the portal uh, for a spell and then came back. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when he came back, I was like, oh, it's not good for South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he didn't he didn't do a whole lot this weekend, this past weekend against Cincy. But uh, he's so fast. You know, that that that's a guy that he may not play but four plays and he scored two touchdowns. You know, right, that's right, yeah. uh, but yes, Drew, uh, he's still there. Um, Austin says, Thank you, Todd, for setting the bar so high. <laughs> uh, Ergo Bob, uh, one of my buddies, uh, glad to see you here in the chat box, my friend. Uh, asked me for my prediction, I'm gonna give it tomorrow. Um, but you know, like I said, there, there's a scenario where South Carolina can definitely go out there and win, they just have to execute and play well, rack the jipper. <laughs> says which sec east team is most comparable to the arkansas program uh you know i think historically like in recent south carolina is probably there mm-hmm. um you know but arkansas got more history like 
in the Southwest Conference. They won championships. South Carolina did not uh, light up the ACC back when they were in that league. Um, and obviously they were an independent for a while. But, you know, I, I, I think – I mean, shoot, man, you know, if I really had to think about it, it's not Kentucky because of the basketball element, but it's situated similarly to Kentucky in that it's the only school in that state. There's good football players in the state, but not a ton. So you have to hit Texas, you have to hit Louisiana, you have to go into Florida, um, that kind of thing. Um, so, I don't know, Kentucky, maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah, South Carolina is probably fair, but obviously uh, University of Arkansas is in northwest Arkansas, and South Carolina does not have the University of North uh, South Carolina in northwestern South Carolina. There's another school there. So uh, yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> Meredith, Meredith has dropped in to say she's on the golf course, but wanted to say hey to Gamecock Nation. Hey, Meredith, we hope you're shooting well. Dos Bandidos says, I love listening to Tommy and Todd, the emotion and enthusiasm. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, it's funny. I mean, there's funny moments. They love it. Yes. There's funny moments. And I would like, uh, you know, I would like to see the, the movie thing or the, the, the music thing. That would be awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> touchdown Carolina, touchdown Christian Bill Smith. Don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> Dude, that, that, I may be on to something there. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, hey, I mean, I'd love to hear it on Saturday because then you know he's listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. All right. Uh, you know. What, uh, you know. <laughs> Let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> smooth criminal. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm starting like, to think of real weird. I'm like, things I'm like, I'm like, like, like I'm rules like, everything around me. <laughs> Eric says, JC Don Williams saying, Lord, I hope this day is good. Or is that just the Budweiser talking? To you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's another Don Williams out there, obviously, Eric. Eric's like, uh, Eric's like, hey, guys, early in the show, if you guys missed it or you just tuned in, Eric's like uh, got some Budweiser vodka drinks going right now on a Thursday morning. Uh, <laughs> it's hey, no judgment here at all. No, ain't you know, Actually, day drinking is actually kind of fun. Daddy has to pour some sugar on me uh, <laughs> and all that good stuff. Uh, anyway, wrapping up here inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, you can catch this obviously on uh, Apple Podcast. You can, uh, yeah, uh, Google Play. I think we're on uh, Spotify. Uh, it'll be up within uh, probably an hour. Yeah, we'll get it quick as we can. Yeah, get it up pretty quickly. Sometimes I'm a little delayed. Uh, Got to go on the Spurs Up show here in 15 minutes. So be sure to check out that if you want to. And we'll be back tomorrow with Michael Flint as we continue to preview South Carolina at Arkansas SEC opener for both teams. Kickoff is at noon. Noon. Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. So that should be a uh, good venue on on Saturday. Uh, Dorn just adds in, touchdown Carolina, I'm on the highway to hell. (laughs) So with that, if if you guys have any other, (laughs) you know, suggestions, uh, let us know. And obviously, we'll, we'll do it. Like good chat with everybody on the Nana Sports chat box today. The Isle Consulting Mailbag. We love your interaction here. We've got great guests. We love all our guests, uh, but also uh, love talking with you, Gamecock Nation. Uh, for Phil Mullinax, this is JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>